but even he could figure this one out. He pressed his thumb to the oval, and after a minute, the door opened with a small beep. Vince stepped out of the foyer and into what looked more like a living room than anything else. There were several couches and chairs set up, a metal coffee table in the center of the room, and a large, flat-screen television on the wall directly across from him. Everything was decorated in white and red and smelled like an odd combination of flowers and chemicals, which Vince could only assume meant they were using an artificial air freshener. He walked around the room, taking in the scene. On each wall, perpendicular to the entrance, was another metal door and scanner, a sign above each. The one to the left of the entrance was boys, while the one to the right said, predictably, girls. Vince went over to the television, only to notice that there were open doorways on either side that one could walk through. Vince did just that, and found himself in a white-tiled kitchen. It had a large sink, a stove with multiple burners and a griddle, and all kind of cooking knickknacks that Vince had neither the knowledge nor the experience to make anything out of. At the back of the kitchen, on the right, was a cupboard, which Vince opened to discover a fully stocked pantry. On the left was another metal door. This one, however, had neither a sign above it nor a fingerprint scanner. Vince walked out of the kitchen and back into the living room, then over to the boy's door. As he walked, he carefully skirted away from wall outlets whenever possible. He hadn't had an accident since the procedure, but that didn't mean he was eager to test his luck. Pressing his thumb to the scanner, the door opened, and Vince walked into what he could only assume was the common room. There was another television on the far end, along with pool and ping-pong tables. The other end held a set of dart boards and a wooden door with the word bathroom on it. Opposite the entrance were three more metal doors. These had scanners clearly in place, but no signs, though they were numbered one, two, and three. With a shrug and a heft of his pack, Vince walked over to the middle door. He pressed his thumb down and waited for the beep, but this time all that came out was a harsh buzzer. He tried twice more before giving up and trying the room on the left, which was room one. This time the door buzzed and opened, though Vince couldn't help noticing a chime that followed the usual opening sounds. He wasn't sure what that meant, and the sight before him left him little free brain space in which to contemplate it. Saying his room was luxurious would be something of an overstatement, but it was definitely more opulent than a boy who was always on the run was accustomed to. There was a large bed in one corner, with a desk and computer set up in the other. Between the two was a large window, sunlight streaming through the blue curtains. The floor was carpeted, and as Vince walked across it, he saw that opposite the desk there was a closet next to a chest of drawers. Slipping his pack off, Vince walked over and pulled open a drawer, trying to figure out if he had enough clothing to warrant any kind of organizational system. 
He was shocked to see that the drawer he'd opened already contained many, many pairs of socks. Checking the next drawer, he found shorts, then t-shirts. He went back to the top and found boxers. He slammed that drawer shut more quickly than the others. Synapses flying, Vince came to the only logical conclusion. Crud. This is someone else's room. It only made sense. This place was too nice and too well furnished. Why had the door let him in, though? Vince brushed that thought out of his head quickly. It was faulty equipment, not intentional, but it wouldn't make it less awkward if this room's inhabitant came home to find an intruder. Vince turned on his heels, snatching up his backpack and bolting for the door, all of which landed him face to face with a tall...